Jesus paid it all. Are you excited about that? Do we still celebrate Jesus in this place? Not only in this place, but even those at home, we celebrate Jesus. That's why we gather. That's who we worship because we are, because of his work, we are the church. And I want to go ahead and start by saying that's essential. We are essential as the body of Christ because we reflect the work of Christ in humanity. It is, we're the church. It's who we are. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's what matters. As a body of Christ, God has called us together to experience his love and to reflect his love that others may know about his love. I hope you caught that. If you're taking notes already, uh, we are a reflection of the love of God. And we thank God for all of you who are here. I'm so excited about the message God has for us on this morning. As we continue in our series, The Essential Church, uh, we're exploring the strategies of our church family, Champion Forest Baptist Church, here at Jersey Village, where we, we know God. That's what, if you were with us on last week, it was all about knowing God intimately, being in a personal relationship with him. And today we want to dive into the necessity of growing in God. We grow best when we allow the love of God and the work of God to flow through us that we might produce in us and in our lives what glorifies him. And so today our message is coming from that 15th chapter of the gospel according to John. Uh, we'll get there in a moment, so I hope you find your way there, because I have a challenge for you today. Today, um, there is a challenge that is on the table, that it is my hope that today, if any other day, you will choose to be a part of a life group, a life group, a community that you get to grow with. Um, how, now I don't want to put you on the spot. I was going to ask you to, by a show of hands, but, but there may be some here that might be tempted to raise your hands, but you haven't connected with a life group yet. I don't want to tempt you that way. But for those online and those here in person, hear me, we have a life group for you. A life group is our small um, groups that gather together so together we can grow and be all that God has called us to be. Why, why is this important? Why is it important for us to be a part of a, a small group? Well, you ever considered that when God in flesh, Jesus Christ, our Savior, came to earth, he could have championed his ministry and mission alone, but he chose to choose, he chose individuals to come along with him. There's a group of men he pointed out, he selected to be on the journey with them. We know him, at, know them as the disciples. Christ chose the disciples to be on the journey with him, to live life, to be in ministry, to be on missions, to see his miracles worked out and on display because God reveals to us through the word of God and the mission of Christ that as a body of Christ, get this, we're better together. I would have I nudged my neighbor if I had one at, right at the point if they didn't say anything because I wanted them to understand that we are better together. Amen. If you're happy about the person who's next to you and you want to celebrate them in this place, why don't you just thank God for the person who's sitting with you in your room, sitting with you here in the sanctuary. Uh, the body of Christ are called to be 
together. And Jesus, when he ministered on earth, he called a group of disciples to come together. And they, they lived together. They, they walked together for over three years. These men had committed their lives to following Jesus. And now they're at a pivotal point in their pilgrimage with the Savior. Where we find ourselves in John 15, where, where they're about to step into a chapter in their lives that they've never been before. In our, in our setting, the disciples had, had seen what betrayal would do. They, they've seen dissension. They've seen uh, discouragement. And now they're hearing Jesus, get this, tell them that they're about to enter into a new chapter where he was going before them and physically he wouldn't be with them anymore. They're, they're at that place of, of uncertainty. They're at, at that place where, where they don't know what's going to happen and they're trying to make sense out of what's happening right now. They are, the setting is such that they're at the Passover, we call it the, the setting of the Last Supper and as they are there, Jesus then tells them in the latter part of the 14th chapter to let's rise and go. And so now they're, they're on their way into an unknown future. Have you? Have you been there before? Okay, maybe you don't get this. They, they, they've been walking with Jesus for all these years. And even though they have been walking with him, Coy, they're still at a place of uncertainty because they don't know what they're walking into. And what I love about this text is though they don't know what they're walking into, Jesus turns this group's attention, not turns the group's attention from what they're walking forward toward to who they're walking with. I hope you get this. Because saints of God, we too can find ourselves like the disciples in the text where now it's dark, it's, it's dimly lit. They, they're trying to figure out how do we make sense because we understand that there's a paradigm shift that is happening. Things are changing and we can't control what's going on around us. Have you ever, anybody ever been there before where, where you're looking out and you're looking for hope but then it looks as though you... You don't know where your help's coming from. This is where they are. And Jesus, as he continues his dialogue with his disciples, time and time again tries to help them realize who he is. Get this. As long as they've been walking with Jesus, they still had questions about who he is. They, they've been walking with them, but they didn't know everything there is to know about Jesus. There was still more for them to discover about Jesus. As a group, 
Jesus then turns to them and he explains to them through the 14th chapter that he has to go ahead, that he's going to die on the cross, that he's going to to leave them, to prepare a place for them that they could be with him. And Jesus is telling them, uh, and they're wondering, trying to figure out, wait a minute, what do you mean uh, you're going before us? They ask questions like, well, uh, how how can we go with you because we don't even know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes the Father, but by me. They go on to ask him, well, where are you going? And Jesus keeps telling them that don't worry so much about where I'm going. Worry more that I'm with you. I hope you get this. Because look, look with me in chapter 15. Jesus says in his word, starting at verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus turns in the the dim-lidded, Um, outdoor vineyard that his disciples are are journeying with them and walking through. He turns and he he grabs perhaps a a bunch of grapes and traces it to the branch and then traces with his finger that branch to the vine. And he tells his disciples to not forget, to remember that he's the vine. Hmm. That he is the ultimate source of their fruitfulness. I hope you get this. Uh, he, he's letting them know that even though they're going into an unknown, here is the vine. That without the vine, you don't have the fruit. But he tells them, he's the vine, they're the branches. And through the vine, the branches receive the power to produce fruit. Mm. The branches can't produce fruit apart from the vine. It takes the vine moving through the branches to produce fruit. And Jesus turns to his disciples in a state where they feel like they don't know what's next. He turns to this group And he tells them to stay together because in the body of Christ, we grow better together. He tells them to maintain connectivity. Why? Because when it comes to productivity, our responsibility is to stay connected. God's responsibility is to produce the fruitfulness. I hope you catch this. And he's speaking to the group, Vern. He's speaking to a small band of disciples. And he tells them 
that they are to grow together. This is why I want you to prayerfully consider what life group you're going to be a part of because we grow better together. Look at, look at the, 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 the command in the text. That's one thing he's telling us to do. Do you see it there? He says it over 50, 11 times in this very chapter. Here it is. Abide. This is what Christ tells the believers then and believers now. He tells us to abide. We, we are commanded to abide, understanding that Jesus is the ultimate source of our identity, our security, and our productivity, which is realized when we remain. That's that word abiding. We remain together in Christ, even in times of uncertainty. He tells them to abide. We're commanded to abide, and there are times we need each other to hold each other accountable that we might better abide. Notice, God never intended for any of the disciples to go on this journey alone or apart from one another. Understand the context. He is speaking to them in a group context. And in saying abide, he's saying abide in me, abide together in me, which helps us realize that we need each other if we're going to be all that God is calling us to be. And when you look around, you see that we celebrate the rich diversity of who God has called us to be and how God has called us to be the body of Christ. We are many branches, but there's one vine. And together, the branches work together to grow on the vine. In fact, you know what? I, let me get some help up here. Uh, uh, there, there are some individuals that I want to call up. Um, we have a parenting life group and we have Grace Connection life group. Y'all come on up here. Um, I want you to join me. I want them to see how beautiful you look from the stage. As they share with us the value of having a life group. Come on up, come on up, come on. Come on, give them a hand. Give them a hand as they come up. Got Stephen and Chelsea and Barbara. Thank you all so much for being a part of our experience right now. All right? And, and this is what I want to ask that you share with one another. And, and, and the, in the, the text that we're looking at, uh, the, the, God has called these, this small group together that they might go in ministry and mission together. And in the same, in like manner, we as a body of Christ break up into small groups that we too could be in missions and ministry together. Uh, but somebody out there may not have found their life group and are interested in knowing, well, what, what's so, so good about being in a life group? And now you're on the spot because your life group members are watching you. And they want to know that you're going to say something good about their life group. Uh, but would you just introduce yourself and just tell us um, uh, something of value as it relates to your experience in your life group. Uh, I'm Stephen, and this is my wife, Chelsea. We're in the parenting life group. And I would say, you know, with life groups and the one that we're in, it's a foundation for friendship and for growth because anybody who is a parent knows that being a parent isn't easy and it comes with its everyday challenges, mm. some tougher than others. Um, 
But, and that's where you can go and you can relate to people. And it's a group where all the guys, it's a great group. We have a, a text string that we need prayer or anything, just we shoot it out. We have a Facebook page that you can go on. And if you need something, you just send prayer, you shout it out. Or if somebody you know needs prayer, you put it up there and you immediately have people praying for them, which mm. is, you just go and you feel that. So it's uh, incredibly important. To kind of roll off of what he just said, um, you know, Stephen and I, and I have been very fortunate not to be um, affected by COVID or any kind of severe illness, but there's definitely some people in our life group that have. Yeah. And the, um, just the amount of, love and attention that our life group members have given to one one another by prayer and following up with one another um, is just something that um, I just don't think I could do without. Like it's really just has blessed my life to see just everyone banding together and yeah. supporting one another. Because we're designed to be together. God intends for us to grow together. And parents, we got to stick together. <laughs> Those kids stick together. <laughs> and like Steve said, and the struggle is real. Yes, sir. <laughs> Barbara, tell us about your life. Group. Okay, well, let me just say that in our group, it's all about the feeling for me especially and for many others that uh, are in the group. We go through life, people say many things to us, right? But... We don't always remember what people say, but we always remember how they make us feel. Mm, yes. And when we're in that group, it is a group that is the embodiment of true sisterhood. It's a women's class. When you come through those doors, you might bring in your fears, your worries, and maybe even your guilt. Well, I can assure you that as a group and with each of us loving on each other, when you walk out of that class, you feel uplifted. You feel um, refreshed, if you will. We have teachers that are Bible-believing teachers. They pour their heart into their studies each week and they share with us. And it's an interactive class that we are able, ooh, almost went through the hole there. Don't. Uh, we are able to, uh, discuss what's going on in our life as it relates to the scripture That's it. and we are encouraged to talk to one another to support each other that's what we're there for and when you walk in and you might be feeling down i can assure you that you are going to feel lifted by god because we are a group that we're going to love on you mm. um and and we're so proud of the ladies that are in that group. Uh, we're proud when people come to our classroom. We're proud when you join us on um, Zoom. So, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about how much the group together, worshiping God and studying God's word, it just means to us. It's a place where God comes to us. Mm. And we're just, we're just... Uh, welcoming you please come please join us well help me thank god for for them for sharing those testimonies. thank you all so much i appreciate that greatly because life groups matter 
And I really want you to see that in context of the text, that God intentionally, Christ intentionally formed a small group together, and he placed them together as a team to be accountable with each other, to be there for one another, and to be a source of strength to help each other. You know why? You, you know why? Because we need help abiding. You don't have to agree with it. It's just the truth. We, we need help abiding in Christ. Abiding is, is remaining. It's staying connected. It is maintaining an awareness of God's presence because sometimes there are so many distractions that come in life that you need a help, help from a friend to remind you, wait a minute, I know you see that, but God is still on the throne. You, you need help every now and then to be able to call somebody that you can trust in what grandma would call the midnight hours of life where you can call them and trust Alice that they'll be there for you. Why? Because we're a part of a family. We're a part of a group who believes in God and I love the way Barbara said it and who loves one another. I, I hope you catch this because, uh, Stephen, you're right. The struggle's real. I, I realize that um, just uh, just last night, uh, when Trevante and I went to, to run an errand, uh, the struggle's real. Trevante is my youngest son. He's my favorite baby boy, and uh, he's upset that I called him baby boy because he just wants to be a man so fast. Uh, but, 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 but something happened as we were traveling back. Let me, let me tell you why it's important for us to concentrate on abiding, and we need each other to abide. We were, we were driving back. He's in the passenger side. I'm in the driver's side. We're making our way from our favorite spot, um, H-E-B. You ever hung out there? We're making our way from our favorite spot. I get no royalties for saying that. I'm just saying that that's where we were. Uh, and while we were driving, and you have to understand something, that, that I had been in the process of, of risking my life to teach my young sons how to drive. But on this particular night, Chuck, I didn't think it was, it was right for him to drive um, because, you know, there, there's a lot of crazy kind of driving that happens in Texas at night. And so we're riding together. We're coming from H-E-B. He's in the passenger side. He, uh, he, he, he's noticing something. And, and I turn into our neighborhood. He caught my attention right that moment. I turn into our neighborhood, um, and he said to me something like, uh, Daddy, you're drifting. Because I taught them in driving that when you drive, you turn into the lane that is nearest you. But because going into our neighborhood, there are two lanes, I turned into the outer lane instead of the inner lane to enter into our neighborhood. And he said, Daddy, you're drifting. I thought, I didn't tell him, I thought flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my Father in heaven, because in that moment, the Holy Spirit told me that, that there are times in which uh, we are called to abide and God reminds us to abide because in our spiritual journey, if we're not careful, we'll drift. We'll drift into discouragement and we'll, we'll drift into disappointment. We'll, we'll drift away from the things of God and the people of God. And God reminds us, he reminds that group at that night in, in the vineyard that they together must abide. Listen, you all, 
There are many distractors in this world that will cause us to focus too much attention on what's happening out there instead of what God is doing in here. And we need each other to remind each other, hey, you know what? God is still at work. God is still on throne. God is still changing lives. God is still redeeming people. God is still saving families. God is still restoring hope. God is still at work in the church, and God is alive today. We need the church to be mindful. So this, this small group gathers and Christ tells them to abide. Look, look at the text. He tells them to abide by first identifying who he is. Because when he identifies who he is, he helps us identify who we are. He says, I am the vine. I am the source. Get this. And my father is the vine dresser. I hope you catch it. My father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me, Christ says, that does not bear fruit, the vine dresser, the father, takes away. He doesn't take off. He doesn't attach, detach them. Re realize here, he says, every branch in me. So he's speaking about Christians, believers who are in him, attached to the vine, that if we're not careful, there are parts of our lives that will droop down, get in the mud of discouragement, and God, who is so good to us, will come and intervene in our lives to lift those parts of our lives away from the mud and the debris, lift us up, clean us off, so that we can still be productive for his glory. I hope you caught that. Because if we're going to abide as believers, we shouldn't be resistant to God's intervention. Hmm. It doesn't always feel good when God intervenes. I mean, do you see the illustration here? Those who don't bear fruit, he lifts up or he takes away is the lifting up. Uh, those who, who need to bear more fruit, get this, he prunes. He trims back some stuff that's preventing us from allowing the flow of God's presence to be magnified through our lives that we are fruitful. He reminds us to abide because oftentimes we, we drift. And look what he says. And in verse 4, uh, he tells us, abide in me. In, in, verse, in verse 7, he tells us, if you abide in me, then my words will abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Don't miss this. That our responsibility is proximity. That if we remain aware, if we acknowledge the presence of God in our lives, if our focus and attention remains on God, then the Word of God is of utmost priority to our lives, that we study the Word, not just read it. I love the fact that we're in Essentials 100, but it's not just for us to read the Word of God, but it's for when the Word of God reads us, we allow God to do the work He's doing in us and through us, that we might be what He's called us to be as the church. That the, that the word of God will be manifested through our lives so that when we go to God, we go to God not with a selfish agenda, but based on the word of God, we've aligned ourselves with the word of God so that which we ask of God is already articulated as God's will in his word. I hope y'all see this. He says, he says that if we abide in Christ and we abide in his word, what we ask will be done because this is how the Father is glorified, verse 8, 
that you bear much fruit, so you prove to be my disciples. He's calling us saints to, to abide. We can't force the fruitfulness. That's God's work. Our work is to make sure there's no obstacles in our lives that prevent the flow of God's power from the vine to the branches to produce fruit. He's calling us to have an awareness of his presence. Y'all, God is here. God is active. God is at work in the church and in our lives. And we have to have a healthy awareness of God's presence, even when we're like the disciples in the vineyard trying to figure out where the next step is going to be, that our faith and our trust and our hope is not in what we can see, but in the security of knowing that he who sees all is with us, that the Holy Spirit of God is, is with us. Y'all, I hope you catch this. Uh, how, many, how many people in here uh, are optically challenged? Those of you at home, you're optically challenged. You know if you're optically challenged, okay? Some folk, you're not optically challenged. You just need some help uh, when it comes to reading the small print. I'm talking about some people who are truly, anybody in here with me? Optically challenged. I'm talking about when, when you wake up, the first thing you reach for. And sometimes, I, I what you said, and sometimes you need help reaching for what you're reaching for. Get this... Uh, Y'all, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me because, because he's, been, he's been encouraging me to even draw closer in the midst of everything that, that our priority ought to be closing the gap, closing the distance so that God has direct access to our lives, that he can grow through our lives, grow, grow, produce fruit through our lives. And here I was, Chuck, uh, the, the, this is how it happened. Um, I, I, I woke up and, and I reached on the nightstand to get my glasses. I wasn't out of the bed yet. I just reached over to get my glasses. And my glasses fell off the nightstand. Now, some of you can relate. You understand, you understand the pain at that point. Because you, you can't see where you're going. But you're looking for help so that you can see what you need to see. And... And there I was. I, was. I had been meditating all night. I, I was laying in bed. This is first thing this morning, you all. The sun isn't up just yet. Um, it's about, it's about 5.30ish in the morning. Um, and I'm looking for my glasses because I'm optically challenged. And I found myself, Chuck, as I rolled out of bed, I was like in this position right here. And I was looking for my glasses. When I felt where they had fallen, the Holy Spirit told me to see clearly, I need to stay in that position. In order to see clearly, I need to stay in this position. He says, if you abide in me, you can ask. This is a prayer posture. Saints of God, the reason sometimes we, we drift so much is because we don't practice prayer the way we, we ought to practice prayer. On Wednesday night, we're calling the congregation to come and pray because the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availing much. When we pray, we move, out of, move the debris of life's distractions out of the way so that we can clearly hear from God. How do you abide? You get in his word. How do you abide? 
You abide by praying to him. How do you abide? You abide by being obedient in his word. We're still in the text. Verse 10 says, verse 8 rather says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And then he tells us how to do that. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He says abide in Christ, verse 4, abide in his word, and we abide in his love by being obedient. And sometimes you need help from someone who loves you to encourage you to be obedient, to be obedient in prayer, to be obedient in fellowship, to be obedient and be a part of a life group. And he says that when we abide in him, we also get to abide in his joy. It's right there, text, latter part of text. Look at, look at verse 11. For God in his word says, these things I have spoken to you. He's talking to this small band of disciples. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That my joy may be in you, Christ says, and your joy may be full. Because the closer you get to God, the more he fills you. And the closer you get to the things of God, the more he fills you with hope, with joy, with the fruit of the Spirit of God. The closer you get to God, the more God fills you so that when he fills you, you overflow, that those who are closer to you can experience him because they're close to you. You're not with me just yet here. That the closer you get to God, the more joy you'll have in this life when you choose to abide in him. And something happens. Saints, when we abide in him, not only do we have the fullness of joy, but the Bible declares we'll have much fruit. And then that fruit will remain. The fruit of love, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of self-control, the fruit of gentleness will be seen in the life of the church. And there's something distinguishing about fruit. If you ever seen fruit, fruit represents the character of the tree that it comes from. Uh, when you see an apple tree, what kind of fruit is produced? When you see an orange tree, what kind of fruit is produced? So when you see a, a, a believer in Christ, you ought to see Christ's likeness as the fruit that's produced. And when you see that fruit, get this, that fruit, you know it because you see it, you see it because it's visible. The fruit of God produced in our lives is always visible to those who see us when we are abiding in Christ. And finally, a third characteristic of fruit is that fruit is always for the benefit of others. Because if fruit is left to itself on the tree, it will rot and die. But it gives, when it gives to others, it gives life. Come here, saints of God. When we abide in Christ, the life flow from our Savior who gives life flows through our lives to others who need to know what abundant life is like, that they too might know it because of our fruitfulness. Hey, y'all, stand all over the building if you can. Stand all over the building if you can. Because this is a good time for evaluation. You know, so oftentimes we hear the word of God and uh, we, we run past it, not really allowing room for it to apply to us. But if we're honest, there, 
there's some of us in here, if we're truthful about it, that, that when we see our lives, we're not seeing that kind of fruitfulness. But you can experience the power of God in your life. You can get closer to him even now. You can abide, remain, be connected with him. You have to be willing to come to him. Just come to him. You look at your life right now and, and you see that, wait, you know what, I, Pastor, I, I don't have that level of fruitfulness. I, I'm not seeing that fruit in my family. I'm not seeing any fruit in my, in my life. I, I don't have the joy. I, I don't have the hope. Listen, just come closer. Come closer to God and you can have all that God promises you when you come. We have some prayer partners who are coming forth even now. And I want to invite you, listen, whatever, you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, you can come. You come right now. We can, we can bring it to God. We can experience fruitfulness again. And I, I want to invite you to come right now. If you, if, you, if you need God's intervention, if you need to get close to him, if you want to know the saving work of Jesus Christ in your life, I invite you as we sing this song together that you would come, that you would come to the altar that you'd bring your cares and bring your concerns and trust God. Trust God to be with you, to flow through you, and to produce fruit in your life. As we sing, why don't you come? Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.